Hi friends, I'm Katie Brinkley and you're listening to Rocky Mountain Marketing. With nearly two decades helping business owners, consultants, and coaches with their digital marketing, I know that social media can be an incredible tool to grow your business when you know how to do it the right way. And that's what we're going to do today. I teach you how to navigate the world of entrepreneurship and digital marketing, and hopefully you'll grow your business with a few great tips you wouldn't have known otherwise, and maybe even discover a great local business you love. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to this week's episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. Today, we're going to actually talk about what it's like to create content for your business and use it as that sales and marketing tool. Now, you all know I have been standing on my soapbox for the better part of the past two years saying we should be posting less on social media. We have businesses to run. But if you are using social media, if you're using podcasting as part of your overall business strategy, what sort of metrics can you track to make sure that it's actually working? How can you make sure that you are doing the right things and creating the type of content that is going to move the needle for your business? So I went to somebody that I highly regard in the digital marketing and the podcasting space and Today's guest is A. Lee Judge. He is the co-founder and CMO of Content Monsta, which is a digital content marketing agency. So he and his business are focused on B2B marketing, and they've been doing this for over 25 years. And Lee is a marketing practitioner and a creative content entrepreneur. He and I both actually had the opportunity to speak at CEX in Cleveland, Ohio in 2023. We were actually just at podcast movement together here in Denver and we didn't even run into each other. We had to end up meeting through a Zoom or through a Riverside link here in order to, to have this conversation with you guys. It would have been way better if we could have connected at podcast movement and done this in personly, but here we are. Lee, thank you so much for joining me on Rocky Mountain Marketing today. Katie, thank you for having me. It's good to see you again and have this conversation. Well, and like I said, you're a, a well-traveled and well-known speaker on how you can use podcasting and how you can have more strategy behind what you're doing in your digital marketing efforts. The whole driving of sales through organic media, like podcasting, social media, email campaigns, if it's not moving the needle for your business, that's where I see so many business owners get frustrated and say, oh, well, I tried doing Instagram. It doesn't work for me. I had an email list, but nothing really came from it. So I just stopped. So let's talk a little bit about these organic marketing efforts and how we can really strategize with our digital marketing efforts. I'm glad you mentioned earlier about the thought of producing less content because people say, should we produce less content? Or there's a rumor that we should produce less content. And I think that Less or more, both are right, because it depends on what your strategy is. If you're just creating content for the sake of creating content with no strategy, you should probably create less until you figure out what your strategy is and then create better content. And once you create better content, create more of that. So should you create less content? Yes. Should you create more content? Yes. <laughs> and so it depends on if you have a strategy or not, right? Let's talk about strategy. How do you think 
when you're just getting started with your marketing efforts, what's the first tip that you would want to give people to develop the right strategy for their digital marketing? Is it something that they can measure and see, okay, this is working for me. I'm getting the results that I'm expecting. Well, I think one of the safest paths is to first start with your customer and understand what they need to know and where they consume content. Because those seem to be two of the places where people miss the most. For example, if you're a makeup company and you're posting only on LinkedIn, well, one, you're in the wrong place. If you're posting on LinkedIn, you're doing mostly text posts, you're not visual. So you're in the wrong place for your audience and you're creating the wrong kind of content. You don't want to create more text posts on LinkedIn. You want to create visual posts on Instagram, right? So if your audience is not in the right place. So, and I think often we mess up where people understand where their current audience is as opposed to where they're caught, who they need to speak to. Even if you have a million followers on Twitter and you're selling a makeup brand, you may say, well, let me just default to where my audience is. If you need to show them something, and the audience who will truly buy from you is actually on Instagram, maybe move to Instagram. We focus on B2B. So for us and most of our clients, Instagram isn't their first go-to because their clients are more likely going to be on LinkedIn. I can get away with writing a long LinkedIn text post and it actually works. I wouldn't repurpose that on Instagram the same way. I might talk about it on video on Instagram, but that repurposing is not just reposting, it's repurposing for the platform and for the audience. You mentioned measurement. I don't expect to get business off of Instagram, no matter how much I post there, because I, I work with businesses. Do I post there? Yes, because it might pop up. We post on TikTok for that matter, because it might pop up. Somebody who is just a friend or who's looking to learn something on TikTok might go, oh, wow, I didn't know Lee did that thing. Let me contact him for my business side of my life, even though I was here on TikTok for entertainment. So yeah, I'm there, but I also measure it differently because I don't expect the same business results from TikTok as I do from LinkedIn. So those are two important things, measurement and where's your audience. So Lee, you've been doing this for 25 years and you said a couple times, you focus mostly on B2B. What was it that made you decide to go into the world of being a, a digital marketing agency to really help these businesses find more business through tracking the measurements and the results that matter for them. How did you really get started in this? Well, most of it comes from my backstory. I was a creative person. I was in the entertainment industry for a long time. I was a DJ, music producer, all those things. I've created video and stuff. So I've always created content before there was a definition of a content, quote unquote, content creator. That was my personal life, right? It was financial. I had businesses around it, but it was my personal life. During the day, I had a marketing career. It wasn't until about 2017 where my geeky, digital, data-crunching marketing career met with my creative career. I was a marketing director for a company. I needed some video made for the company, and so in a rush, I said, well, you know, I know how. I've been making video for years. Let me just make the video myself. So I made some thought leadership, talking head videos for the company I worked for and posted on LinkedIn, on YouTube for the company I worked for. But then another company said, hey, Lee, we just saw this video that was done by your company. Can you do that for us? Or is there a conflict of interest? I said, well, there's no conflict because you're in a different industry. 
They said, was it done by an agency or in-house? I was like, well, kind of both. I work here, and I'm starting considering an agency. They became my first client. I began creating content for other businesses. And it kind of started because that was another business, doing it for business. And me being a marketing director, I was buying from other businesses. And so the company I worked for was B2B. So that's what I knew the most of. I knew more about B2B buying and selling than I did about business to consumer. That's kind of what the business grew out of. At the same time, I was still working full-time while I was growing this agency. It was easier to hunt elephants than it was, you know, B2B. Easier to hunt elephants than it was thousands of people for a consumer business. Basically, elephants are bigger and they move slower, but, you know, it's a bigger kill, right? I hate that analogy, but (laughs) the, the fact is I could respond to emails more slowly and respond to a business at business pace, even while having the full-time job. Content Monster was launched in 2017, and I didn't really go full-time until a year or two ago. The company was growing, but I had a, a set line of, I will not quit my day job until the company has X number of employees, X number of revenue, and then I'll quit my job. That happened a while ago. I really enjoy working with businesses and helping businesses grow. It's a little bit more difficult if you don't understand B2B, but to me, it's a lot more rewarding when you do find those large accounts. One thing that you were saying throughout your journey is that you always knew who your target audience was. You knew that you wanted to work with B2B because yes, that's what you knew. That's who you felt comfortable working with. And so, as you said earlier, having a long text-based LinkedIn post, you know that that's going to do better than going over on TikTok and creating a bunch of content. What I'm hearing you say is no matter what you're doing with your business, the very first thing you need to understand is your target audience so that you can measure the results and have the results that are in alignment with what your business is after. Because as a business, it's different with going viral or having hundreds of thousands of followers or a million followers on Twitter. But if your audience isn't there, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Even within your own business, there could be different lines of your business that dictate what social platforms to go on. For me, for Content Monster, it's LinkedIn primarily. But as a speaker and upcoming author, TikTok and and Instagram work. So for my personal brand, yes, I'm going to be on TikTok and on Instagram. But for the business, it's LinkedIn. As we look at our strategy again, and even our content calendar, we have to decide, okay, this particular post will fit better to push the personal brand, put it on these channels. This will post, this will support our new service offering, put it on these channels. So even within one company, per type of content, we still decide what channel it goes through. How do you help your clients track what results they should be measuring so so that their sales and their marketing are in alignment? Because again, it can be hard not to get impatient, especially in the world of social media. It can be hard not to, you know, have that patience for and understand that things are working the way that they should be. I'm glad you asked that. That's a bit unique for B2B. So in B2B, the places we measure social media are not typically the right places to measure for business. For example, 
podcast. I'm working on a series of webinars. I'm going to call it the Zero Listen Podcast. Might even pull you in as, a, as an advisor on this, Katie. <laughs> the Zero Listen Podcast is based on the idea that even for a podcast that has zero listens from a podcast measurement standpoint, can have a high ROI from a business standpoint. I'll give an example. You have a podcast. From that podcast, whether it be video or audio, you create tons of content from that podcast. You have expert conversations. You have expert clips. You have relationships you've built from that podcast. Yeah, you publish the podcast, the audio and video, but you also publish dozens of pieces of content. And that content develops relationships. It can develop deals. You can get tons of business from that from someone who has never, ever listened to your podcast. For a B2B podcast, I first encourage them to stop looking at podcast metrics because your sales team doesn't care about podcast metrics. Your CFO doesn't care about podcast metrics. They care about the bottom line. And your podcast can absolutely drive the bottom line, but those numbers will not show up in podcast metrics. You don't care about downloads or listens or subscribers. You care about relationships. You care about talking to customers. You talk about brand lift. You care about those things, and they will not show up in your podcast metrics, not even often in your social media metrics. So, Katie, I'm going to challenge you to join me when I do the Zero Listen podcast series to show B2B marketers that you don't need listeners, you need business. One, count me in. But I love that the metrics are different depending on what your overall goal is for that mark that piece of marketing material. So as a podcaster, it's funny because with my social media, I think over the weekend I lost like 10 followers, which is, that's fine. Obviously, they don't need my stuff anymore. They could have been bots, whatever. I really honestly don't even really look at follower count on social media, but holy cow, my email list. Oh, it is seriously like they wrote me a letter saying that they don't like me anymore. If they unsubscribe from my email list, I don't know why, but I take it so personally. And I know that I'm not alone with looking at some of these weird metrics and taking them personally. So podcast downloads. If you're creating this content every single week and doing the guest interviews and creating the social media graphics and everything, and then you only get 10 downloads, it's like, nobody likes me. Why am I even doing this anymore? Let me tell you, Katie, and this is for your listeners as well. I was speaking with a customer last week who quoted my podcast, who quoted a conversation from the podcast, and they were enlightened by it and informed by it. It helped strengthen our customer relationship. Then I said, did you actually listen to the podcast? Like, oh no, it was the snippet on LinkedIn that I saw. It was a video conversation and they described the whole thing. They quoted it, but they did not listen to the entire episode. They did not pull it up on Apple or Spotify. Those numbers for that person who I influenced, who I touched, would not show up in any statistic. In fact, they didn't even like it on LinkedIn. They didn't click the like button, but they listened to it. It was an impression. That's all it was, was an impression. But from a business standpoint, the ROI was extremely high. And there you go. I mean, I hear this at least once a week. Someone who quotes my podcast, who never listened to, who never clicked on Apple Podcasts. Now, I do have downloads and listens, which the numbers are there, but to me, it's mostly vanity. It's mostly, did you get value from the show? 
no matter how you consumed it, whether it was Twitter or LinkedIn, whether it was a 30-second clip of one thing that one of us, me or my guest said, if you consume that value and it influenced you, then it is a marketing touch. It doesn't matter how you got to that touch. If somebody, and, and just since we're talking about podcasting, if somebody is a business owner and they're interested in using podcasting as part of their marketing strategy, what tips would you have for them as they get their podcast up and running? Should they even have a podcast? Should they do podcast guesting? Yes and yes, but they have to keep in mind the measurement part <laughs> and why they're doing it. So let's say, for example, I did a talk a while ago called Be Content, and it was basically teaching people to be the content that their customers consume. I use an example of a plumber, and I had a real-life situation where here in my studio, I had a leak, and I was about to cut my whole ceiling out. And the plumber said, wait, I'll be there on <laughs> Monday. I'll come check it out. He gets here and says, you know what? The leak isn't here. It's coming from upstairs. Turns out it was like down the hallway, up a wall, somewhere where the leak actually happened. And he fixed it in like 30 minutes and saved me from tearing up my studio. And I said, if you had captured what you just did, the whole process, and someone was trying to decide which plumber to call to their house, if they had one person's advertisement versus your video of what you just did, you would win every time. The content of you doing the thing you do wins every time. So whether it's a podcast where you're talking about it, whether it's a conversation, whether it's video, you only need to have someone listen to that one episode. So if I Google, you know, how to find a leak and I find your podcast episode, I listen to that one episode and call you. I'm not a subscriber. I'm not a regular listener. It's only one download, but now I'm a customer. The ROI is there, even though none of those statistics for podcasting showed up on your analytics. Whether you're a plumber, an artist, you do knitting and you sell caps, yes, create content, whether it be a podcast or video, and stop measuring things by the stereotypical statistics of, oh, I don't have Joe Rogan numbers. We don't need Joe Rogan numbers. You need customers. Exactly. Yes. And Lee, this is exactly, oh, this is why I'm so happy that you're on the podcast, but no, it's so different creating this content for sales versus followers. The metrics that all of us can see, oh, man, it, it feels great to be like, oh yeah, well I have X, I, I get a thousand downloads a day or whatever, but really, unless it's driving revenue, what's the point? I'm working on a book that's specifically about sales and marketing alignment. And part of that, obviously I'm going to go into the whole content part because I love content marketing. But part of that is an example of if you're constantly creating content to answer your customers' questions, you're also building a sales enablement library. So let's say you're a content marketer, you attend the sales meetings, and you hear all the things, all the objections that sales is hearing in the field about their product or service. You go back and have a conversation in your podcast, you make video, you even interview that salesperson later on about those objections, and you're answering those questions. So now, the sales team has a piece of content to send that customer for follow-up, to say, 
Hey, Miss Johnson, we haven't spoken since our last sales call, our last call. I understand you have a problem with so-and-so. Here's a piece of content that answers that question, right? It's more than just a sales pitch. It's a, we understand you've seen this objection too. Here's how our other customer who we spoke to on our podcast overcame that objection. That content is in a library that belongs now to your sales team to help answer objections and help them sell. So it moves marketing from the cost lane, the, the cost avenue into being part of the sales funnel, right? So create content not to say we got 3,000 likes and downloads. Create the content to build a library to help your salespeople sell. With that, you're able to then create shorter content possibly, but it's direct, it's basically your FAQ. It's your FAQ page of your website that you are now able to send to people either in video or audio format. And I don't know about you, but there's something intimate about hearing someone speak. What we're doing right now on our podcast, Lee, is getting directly to somebody and they're able to hear us get excited about a certain topic and start talking over each other. They're able to hear, you know, if we were reading a page off of Google, they could tell that. But it, with us just talking, it allows you to build a better connection with people. And the same with video. If you have, we're on video here too. If you want to watch us on YouTube, you can see my arms flailing around when I talk. You can see all of that and, and you get to know somebody so much better. When you have these pieces of content that you can send to people, they're going to feel like they, they already know you. You've built that know, like, and trust factor by answering their question in a way that not very many people would expect to have their question answered. Exactly. We've been seeing, of course, all the, the proliferation of AI getting to our industry and what's missing as of yet right now is the soul of a person. So even when you have an AI representative on video without naming any brands, we're seeing it get better and better, but even the really good ones as a human watching it, you sense that there's no soul there. You might can't even put a finger on it, but there's no soul there for the things that we can detect. It's how we pause, how we say things twice how we correct ourselves, how we raise our eyebrows. You can tell if I'm sure or not sure of what I say, if I'm being sarcastic based on my expressions. All those things matter. When you create content, whether it be your CEO or your intern, you're going to have a, an experience there for your consumers to see and hear and feel that gives them that human connection that and I even say it's hard to to display in writing even. Writing can't compete with seeing someone's face and hearing their voice. Because when I'm writing, you can't hear me pause. You can't hear all my quotations. I can say, quote unquote, I can do air quotes, you know, but you won't see that in writing so well. There's so much missing. So I agree with you. When it comes to creating content, I'm a biggest fan and proponent of audio and video because as we head into this AI world where there's so much fake stuff being created, it's harder and harder to fake a real human conversation. Now, will we get there at some point? Absolutely. Probably in the next two years or less. But for now, it's really hard to fake a real conversation because our flaws are important. 
yeah, like me not being able to say the word strategy or strategize earlier. Ironically, it builds trust because you're not reading a script because you're human, <laughs> because it, after you make those flubs, now I trust you more for what you say next because I felt you're being sincere about it. You know? So all that stuff matters. If somebody is listening right now and they're like, all right, I didn't think about having a podcast for that sort, not looking at the downloads of not using it for the lead gen that I might've been thinking originally, what would be your first tip to creating this content for leads for their business? Approach creating a podcast as creating content. And as you said, it's a FAQ. When you have those conversations, Think of them as cataloged conversations, right? Because that way you're more thinking in terms of a library of content versus I'd be able to have numbers like Joe Rogan or NPR, right? <laughs> Just by thinking I'm creating a podcast puts you in a competitive mode that you will be disappointed when you see your first downloads for your first month. You're not going to get thousands of downloads for your first few episodes. It's not going to happen unless for some reason you had some huge marketing budget to boost it out there first. Look at Spotify as admitting their big fails with, with Megan and, and Harry. There's so many fails going on right now because they put millions into these podcasts and their model is not sustainable. But from a business standpoint, if you're not trying to be a celebrity podcaster, but you're trying to create important catalog of information for your customers, turn the mic on, turn the camera on, create a catalog of information, chop it up and have that available to say, oh, by the way, we had that conversation already. Here's a snippet from this podcast or post on LinkedIn. Like we're having a conversation now. We're going to look back at this and we're going to find like, wow, we dropped some gems on this podcast. <laughs> Let's take that 30 seconds and post it on LinkedIn and share that information with everybody. They may see that snippet, get value, become a fan of Katie, become a fan of Lee, and say, wow, that gave me some value. They may never get to this whole episode, but they receive value from us. They might call us up and say, hey, can you help us do the thing you just did? They may even ask us, hey, can you help us produce a podcast? Not realizing that they didn't even listen to our podcast. Exactly. A customer. Isn't that, isn't that funny? They might become a customer of yours by listening to this podcast not realizing that they didn't even listen to the whole podcast. They listened to this snippet that says, Katie can produce a podcast. She got my attention. Uh, I want to work with Katie. I think that, that that's an important metric. And I think that too, sales team should be asking when people come in, how did you hear about us? Because a lot of times they might say like, I saw your podcast or, oh, I don't know. I found you on Google. But it, it's nice to know that, hey, this is where this client, this customer came in from. So salespeople, make sure you're asking. <laughs> and there's so much yes. dark social because when they say I listen to your podcast, they may mean I saw a clip yes. on Twitter. So we have to understand measurement in terms of business results versus, I mean, you're the social media expert. You know that there's so much dark social going on. It is really a good idea. I'm going to, I have a to-do on my list to have us add an open text field to all our forms. Like, how did you learn about yeah. us? We still know that what they say has to be interpreted because if they say we listen to your podcast, we know it doesn't mean they listen to the whole thing. It doesn't mean they actually even listen to the podcast. It could have been a clip on LinkedIn. But we know that that clip would not have existed 
had it not been for the podcast. Lee, this is such a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. I think I need to get you back on here again because I feel like we just barely hit the, the tip of the iceberg with all of the goodness that you can share with us. If people want to learn more about you and Content Monster or anything else, they want to see you speak on stage, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Okay, well, first you can find me at aleejudge.com with or without the dot, a.leejudge or aleejudge.com. Also, the company Content Monster is contentmonsta.com. So find me there. Amazing. And connect with you on LinkedIn because you are putting out a lot of great content. I see your your stuff on Instagram too, like your podcast episodes, but LinkedIn, definitely connect with him over there as well. Lee, thank you again so much for joining me on the show today. It has been a pleasure speaking with you and hopefully everyone has gained a different insight into how they should be looking at the content that they are creating. Thanks, Katie. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Rocky Mountain Marketing. Make sure to subscribe so that you can continue navigating the world of entrepreneurship. And I'd love to hear from you. Please leave the show a review and connect with me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at I am Katie Brinkley or connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you're ready to start making some sales on social media, be sure to grab my free guide to selling in the DMs without being spammy. You can get that at katiebrinkley.com. Let's keep taking your marketing to all new heights.